Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Glad you're here today. Really, really excited about starting our next series of episodes from chapter number 29 of the book of Jeremiah, because this is a very famous passage. Uh, You're going to recognize a couple of the verses. I think we may get to them today, maybe tomorrow, but uh, wow, what a great, encouraging passage this is. So let's dive right in. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number one, uh, where the Bible says, now these are the words of the letter. So what's really interesting about this chapter is this is not a message that Jeremiah is preaching in Jerusalem or at the temple, messages that we've been talking about now for a long time. But this is a message that Jeremiah is giving to the captives those that were taken in that invasion in 597 BC, Jeremiah is writing to the people in captivity, the people that are already in captivity. And so what we're finding in Jeremiah 29 is a letter that Jeremiah wrote. So that was a a thing uh, back in those days. There was a, a level of communication that was allowed, diplomatic communication. And so Jeremiah is writing this letter to the captives back in Babylon, and this letter is to be read in all these locations. So look at what it says. So these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people who Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So the letter is written primarily to the leadership, elders and priests and prophets, but really by extension to all the people. So probably what that meant was the letter would be read by the leadership and then communicated by the leadership to the people in general in captivity. Thousands, thousands of people now were in captivity. Watch who some of them are. Verse number two, after that Jeconiah, the king, who was probably about 18 years of age in 597 when he had been taken captive. Remember, he was the son of Jehoiakim, and he was taken captive in 597 along with the queen, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the carpenters, and the smiths, uh, not not as a name, but like the woodsmith, silversmith, Uh, were departed from Jerusalem. So remember, in that second invasion, many more people were taken. In the first invasion in 605, Daniel and Hanani and Mishael and Azariah and others of the king's seed, children in whom was no blemish. Read all about it in Daniel chapter 1. They were the ones that were taken. But in 597, a much larger group was taken, among whom were some of the artisans and the, the skilled laborers. Why? Well, because number one, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to flex more of his muscle to say, you need to get in line. And number two, he wanted these skilled people on his projects back in Babylon and throughout his kingdom. And look at verse number three, 
by the hand of, so here's the letter from Jeremiah, but the the writer of, the, the, the secretary to whom Jeremiah dictated, the Bible says, by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent from Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, okay, so Jeremiah gives this letter to some of these diplomats that are going to Babylon. And what does the letter say? What is this message that God has inspired Jeremiah to give to these people that are in captivity? So before we read the the, the letter, just think about it. Uh, these people have been displaced from their homes, from their homeland. Uh, they'll, they'll never see the temple again. Uh, they have been ripped apart from extended family. It must be very difficult to have been taken in essence, prisoners of war. And now they're going to receive this communication from Jeremiah back home. And and no doubt what they're thinking is, wow, woe is me. We are the ones that have been kidnapped. We are the ones that have been taken as prisoners. We are not back home in freedom. We are not back under the King Zedekiah. We're not back in a place worshiping at the temple. We have it bad. They have it good. And what the letter is going to demonstrate, what this chapter is going to demonstrate is sometimes our thinking about I have it bad and they have it good is faulty thinking. And certainly that is the case in this chapter as we shall see. So what is the message that God has through Jeremiah by this letter for these people in captivity? Look at verse number four. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. So the very first thing that God wants them to know in captivity is that you're not there through the power of Nebuchadnezzar. And you're not there because he's strong and I am weak. No, you are in captivity because I have willed this. I am in charge of this. Uh, I know where you are, and I've put you where you are. I am in control. And that's a comforting thought in an opening line of a letter. For God to be saying through this letter, through Jeremiah's letter, God says, I know where you are, and I've put you there, and I've allowed this, and therefore I am in control. Because it would seem to these captives that they were being manipulated and controlled by a foreign entity. It would seem to them like their lives are out of control and they're there against their will. And while that might be true, they weren't there against God's will. God had a purpose and a plan and a place for them. And he reminds them of that in the very first line of the letter. Look at verse number five. He says to them, build ye houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Wow, what what, what, what a message that God is sending to these people. Essentially, what he's saying to them is, hey, settle down. Uh, settle in. 
you're going to be there for a while. And so build a house that takes time. Settle into that house. Proceed with your lives. Go ahead and have your children marry uh, your sons and your daughters and uh, let them have children. Raise your children. Raise your grandchildren. Uh, build your, plant your gardens. Uh, settle down. You're going to be there for a while. And I want you to have a prosperous and a happy life. Go on with life. Increase. Have big families. Have a lot of grandkids. Continue your life there in captivity. Well, what a statement. I think that's shocking for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think the captives are kind of in a no man's land like, well, um, how long are we going to be here? And we don't want to settle down here and we don't want to build a house here. We don't want to waste our time here. We're going to go back home. This will all be over with. And then add to that the fact that they were surrounded by some prophets, false prophets, some fortune tellers, diviners, the Bible calls them, that were saying, oh, this will all pass over quickly. Remember what we talked about last chapter or a couple chapters ago, how that they were saying, oh, in just a couple years, remember Hannah and I was saying, in just a couple years, this will all be over. Don't worry about it. Well, just like there were false prophets in Jerusalem saying that the captivity would be over in a couple of years and the vessels of God would be brought home, so there were false prophets in the captivity telling those people the same thing. So now Jeremiah writes this letter to say, it's not true. This is going to take a lot longer than you thought it would. But that doesn't mean that this is wasted time. That doesn't mean that you have to just cry over spilt milk and live the rest of your life in despair. No, go ahead and build houses, plant your gardens, uh, get, give your children in marriage, have grandchildren, raise your families, be prosperous. In other words, I have a plan and a, and a place for you, and I will bring you prosperity right where bloom where you're planted, is what the Lord is saying. Look at verse number seven. And... Seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives. So they were probably in several different cities. So when Jeremiah said in this letter, seek the peace of the city, so they were living somewhere. And what, what God was calling them to do is don't, don't fight. Uh, don't fight against the chastisement I have allowed. Don't fight against the captivity I have allowed, but rather be good citizens. And seek the peace of, shalom is the word, seek the peace of the place where you are scattered. Uh, because of discipline that God had promised this or in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you turn from me, I'm going to scatter you. And that's what's happening here. But that doesn't mean in that scattering that, that, that they still couldn't be blessed. Just kind of like the Jewish people for thousands of years have been part of what's called the diaspora, the scattering. And yet what has happened? God has blessed them in their places. You know, the Jewish people have retained an identity uh, all around the world. And God has blessed his people all around the world, even in that scattering. And so God is saying to them here, go ahead and live your life. And I'm going to bless you in your place of captivity. Don't fight against your captors. Seek the peace of the city where you dwell. Look at verse number seven. Uh, so seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. Well, what a statement. 
So instead of being bitter against your captors, instead of uh, trying to upend them and engage in guerrilla warfare and rioting, no, rather pray for them. Pray for those people. Uh, Live as much as lies within you. Live at peace with them. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. In other words, when you pray for them and you pray for your civil authorities and God answers those prayers and peace comes through them, that'll be peace for you. We see a great New Testament counterpart to this principle in 1 Timothy chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul is speaking to Timothy, who is suffering increased persecution because of a Roman empire that is increasingly uh, looking suspiciously at Christians and persecuting them. And so Peter and Paul both wrote to churches and individuals and said, pray for the people, submit yourself to the king, be a good citizen, love the brotherhood, honor the king, uh, be, pray for, be at peace with all men as much as lies within you. A pray for kings and for all that are in authority, that ye may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Be a good, faithful, productive citizen where you are. And that's a great, that's a great piece of advice for us. You know, we don't always agree with governmental policy. We don't always agree with the direction of our nation, but we ought to be ideal citizens. We ought to be people praying for and loyal to our civil leaders insofar that we can. That's important. And think about it. As believers, we're all in a sense captivity. All of us are looking at Jerusalem as our future home, and none of us are there yet. And our citizenship is in heaven, but we're here on this earth. And in this world in which we live, we ought to be as much as lies within us living in peace and seeking uh, to be a, a part of the solution, being good community servants. Our towns ought to be better because of us. Our, our villages and our states and our country ought to be better because of us. And, and Jeremiah is giving this advice, really sharing the word of God to them here in these verses. Look at verse number, oh man, we're done. I just glanced at the clock. So we're going to stop there in verse number seven. I'm sorry. And um, we're going to get into the verses I really want to share next episode. So hang with us and we'll come right back to it. So verse number eight tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord and we'll see you then. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.